All right, what's up, Liquid Church? Great to see you guys. Merry Christmas. All right, there we go. Very good. I'm Pastor Tim. I want to welcome you to our special series, The Family Tree. What we're doing is this December, we're kind of tracing our spiritual roots as believers in the days leading up to Christmas. And by now, I'm guessing your family probably has your tree up. Does everybody have your, your Christmas tree, you know, in your home or apartment? Okay. How many of you don't? You're slackers. You're like, I'm a holiday slacker. Okay. Getting a little late. Just letting you know about this. All right. It's been fun watching a lot of liquid families. You've been kind of posting pictures with the hashtag uh, our family tree on Facebook and Instagram and social media. I clipped a few of them this week. These are actually kind of the fun ones that I found are liquid staff families and their family tree. This is Pastor Kyler and his wife, Lisa, and their little boy, Xander, there. Can we give a big welcome to Middlesex County Liquid Campus? We're glad you guys are with us. Here's Pastor Jason and his wife, Joy, Essex County. Give them a hand. We're glad Essex County is with us. This is Pastor John from Somerset County with his six kids, okay? That's incredible, yeah. Praise God. I think he's getting another one for Christmas. (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding. He's like, what? (laughs) It's not a prophetic word there. Uh, Kyra and Jose, what I love about them in in Morris County, they have like the perfect like Christmas tree, their kids, uh, Gabby and Andy. Yeah, you can clap for them. That's cool. What's fun is Kyra and Jose are originally from Puerto Rico, and uh, so they speak Spanish. They're bilingual. So on behalf of all our Latino brothers and sisters, I want to say Feliz Navidad, okay? I'm saying that to you. And uh, Pastor Mike actually is our pastor of all of our campuses. That's his wife, Tara. There are three girls, and he said, Tim, it's actually kind of a bittersweet moment for us because next fall we're sending our oldest girl to college. So this is probably like the last time where, you know, we'll all be together, you know, picking out our family Christmas tree. And so it's kind of bittersweet. It's funny how Christmas changes depending on your season of life. My favorite picture, this is precious. This is like from a magazine. Liquid's executive pastor, Dave Brooks, and his granddaughter, Adele. Is that not, look at the eyes in there. That's amazing. I love that, right? Christmas has new meaning, especially of grandkids. You kind of see it through the eyes of a child. Christmas really is a warm uh, family time, especially if you have little ones. Uh, Speaking of which, parents, if you have elementary age kids, and so that's grades one through four, they should have received last week their first set of Jesse Tree ornaments. Did you get those? Okay, we gave them to all the kids in grades one through four, and this is kind of a fun way. If you don't have them, you can easily get a set online. It's very, very easy to get, but it's a great way to teach your kids about the real meaning of Christmas in the days leading up to uh, our celebration, because Christmas doesn't begin actually with the birth of Jesus. It traces the roots of Jesus' family all the way back to the Old Testament. We looked last week at this kind of Jesse tree prophecy in the book of Isaiah. And so each ornament represents an ancient ancestor of Jesus Christ, right? Abraham or, or Isaac. Last week we looked at Jacob. There's, there's Noah and Ruth and David. And every ornament, see how it has like a symbol on it? So what you do is you read the Bible story and your child colors the ornament and then you kind of put it on the tree together and say, oh yeah, that one represents, you know, Moses, you know, a great, great grandfather in, in the faith. And it's kind of a creative way to teach your kids about like, what is the actual story of Christmas beyond just, you know, shopping malls and ordering Xbox on Amazon, you know, kind of thing. So it's an exciting way to do it, kind of fun. Last week, if you remember, we took one ornament, we looked at the story of Jacob's Ladder. Jacob was one of uh, Jesus' spiritual forefathers. He dreamed, remember, about this stairway to heaven. And Jacob taught us this very inspiring lesson, right? This amazing truth that at Christmas, there actually are no ladders for us to climb to make God happy. Isn't that great news? 
There's no religious steps that we have to like earn our way into heaven or God's good graces because at Christmas, love came down to us. That's what makes Christianity unique among all the other world religions. They say you've got to climb your way to God. But Christianity says, no, 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 no. At Christmas, it's the story of God coming down to us to bless us through his son, Jesus Christ. So salvation is this, this gift of sheer grace, right? We don't deserve it. We could never earn it. We can just receive it. And Jesus is our ladder. He's the only way to heaven is through completely trusting in his birth and his death and his resurrection on your behalf. And so I'm excited to report to you, we actually had a number of people at our, at our campuses who said yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ. They, they prayed to receive Christ as their Savior for the first time. Can we welcome them? If that's you, praise God. That's an awesome thing. Don't take that for granted. Being born again at Christmas is like the best time of year to receive that gift of salvation. So this is really life-changing stuff, guys. And today, we're going to look at another kind of unlikely relative of Jesus um, you might have heard of. If Jacob was, you know, the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus, today we're going to look at the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. It's a woman named Rahab. Can you say Rahab? Rahab, yeah. And as you can see, Rahab has a, a red rope on her ornament, which is appropriate because red, right, it's the color of Christmas, right? You're probably wrapping, you know, red ribbons or putting red bows on boxes and stuff. But the, the real meaning of Rahab's red rope is found in the book of Joshua chapter 2. So if you want to turn there in your Bible or flip there in your phone, um, I, I need to just give you a little bit of a shout out about this, Joshua chapter 2, because this is a pretty sassy story, all right? I'm just going to give you a heads up, parents. This is a little bit of a kind of PG-13, because last week we were, we were shocked to discover, some people were, that most people assume like, oh, well, it's Jesus's family tree. These are the perfect people, you know? These are the holy rollers, you know, super holy men and women. But it's not. Jesus's family tree is full of these, these deeply flawed family members, liars and cheaters and master manipulators, people who try to follow and obey God, but they fall short every time. And yet God uses them anyway. He's like, I can work with that because that's who God is. He's full of mercy and grace and generosity. And so Rahab, you're going to see today, is actually one of those women who has a bit of a scandalous story, but we have a lot to learn from her red rope this Christmas. So let's dive in, and we're going to look at Joshua chapter 2, and a little bit of a background, just so you can kind of get your bearings. The book of Joshua is named after, surprise, Joshua. He was the leader of the Israelites after Moses. So Moses is dead. And Joshua's leading Israel. This is God's chosen people. And as the book of Joshua opens, you're going to see here that they're about to enter the promised land. They've been kind of wandering in the desert for, you know, 40 years. And they're finally ready to, like, cross Jordan and conquer Canaan. That's what the land was called. But the problem is the land was full of the enemies of God. And the first obstacle they face is this city named Jericho. And Jericho was a godless place. Very dark culture. Very wicked uh, uh, people. They were the sworn enemies of God and the sworn enemies of Israel. And so Joshua says, I'm going to send some spies, military spies, into the city to kind of assess its strength before we attack them with Israel's army, okay? That's where Rahab comes in. So I'll start at Joshua 2, verse 1. You can follow along. It says this. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He said to them, or he instructed them, scout out the land, on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So 
the two men set out and came to the house of a, let's say this together. No, actually, let's not say this together. (laughs) Of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. I know some of you are like, wait, this is in the Bible? (laughs) Okay. Throughout history, Rahab's name has been notorious. Linked to the oldest profession in the books, right? There, I was thinking about this week. I'm like, there is no way to sugarcoat this, okay? Remember I showed you that ad last week from uh, Ancestry.com? You know, the woman who Googled in her, her grandfather's name. And she's like, holy crow, you know, I'm related to George Washington, you know? Great grandpa was, you know, a founder of the country. Imagine typing Rahab and discovering, holy crow, grandma was a hooker. You know, it's kind of like, because that's what Rahab was. It's right here in the scripture. She, the Bible says she was a prostitute. She was a harlot. She was a streetwalker. Put plainly, she, her business, her life was selling sex. And she was the kind of person that most people would view as like, very, like worthless, morally corrupt, loose lifestyle, cross the street, kids. You don't want to go around a, a woman like that. And it's interesting because Rahab here in the Old Testament she was somebody that you would not want living in your neighborhood. <laughs> you would not influencing your, your kids. You'd be like, no, st- no, stay away. And sure enough, Rahab lived on the edge of her society. She was an outcast. In fact, verse 15 says her house was actually built on the very outskirts. It's built into the city wall of Jericho, right next to the city gate where the travelers came in and out. Now, there's a question like, well, why, why did Rahab live by Jericho's city gate? And the answer is pretty obvious. Because when men came into the city from their travels, one of the first places they wanted to visit was the red light district. Okay, that's what this is. So that's where her, her home, the house of a prostitute named Rahab. That word house, by the way, in Hebrew translates to inn. And so understand, she's not running a Motel 6 here, people. Okay, this is a house of ill repute. It's a brothel. And if you're here like, whoa, this is a sassy story. Why in the world would God's spies pick a house of prostitution? It seems kind of odd, right? Like if they're God's chosen holy people, let's go to the brothel, right? But it actually is a strategic place to pick because the spies understood that everybody in that city was used to seeing dodgy men kind of creeping in and out of Rahab's crib, right? They kind of creep in the front door, brim tight low, you know, creep out the back door and everything. Creeper's going to creep, right? And so the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there that night. But then suddenly there's a problem. Look at verse 2. It says, but someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who've come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. So Rahab is faced with this choice. Will she reveal the spies hiding in her house? turn them in, hopefully receive a reward, or will she actually protect them? Will, will she defy the king and risk her life in the process? I want you to imagine this moment. Better yet, let's watch it together. Rahab, my little whore. What are you doing out? You know it's not safe. Safe enough. No one is safe. I can look after myself. Everyone, return to your homes! Hello? Keep quiet, and I promise I won't hurt him. 
you're Israelites. You've heard about us? You have a god who commands the winds and parts the seas. He saved us from slavery. We are his chosen. This whole city is terrified of you. How can we fight a people whose god can do that? Open up! Open up! Back in time! Open the door! Can we get out that way? Help us and we will help you. Go. I'll store them if I can. Open the door! Come with us. I can't. My family. When our army comes, hang this on your door so they will know not to harm you. You'll be passed over. Stay here. One of the things you'll discover in God's story as you trace the family line of Jesus is that God delights and using the most unlikely people in his story of salvation. Amen? If God is sovereign, meaning he's in complete control of history, it means nothing is random. Everything is intentional. And according to the scriptures, God chose Rahab. He handpicked, not to be too crude, a whore at this moment in history to save his people. It is a head-scratcher. And yet scripture says, when questioned, Rahab had hidden the two men. But she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I don't know where they were from. (laughs) They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close, and I don't know where they went. If you hurry up, you can probably catch up with them. In other words, the soldiers burst through a door, and they're like, where'd they go? And Rahab's like, I don't know. (laughs) Where are they from? I don't know. You're going to check them down. I don't know. (laughs) If you hurry up, you probably catch them. Rahab lies to save the lies of God's spies. It's like in World War II, where certain, remember German families, there are certain German families who actually hid their Jewish neighbors in their attic or in their basement, like Anne Frank, right, during the Holocaust. And when the Nazi stormtroopers burst in and said, where are you hiding the Jews? They said, I don't know. This is actually one of those lawful deceptions under the rules of war where telling a lie is the right thing to do because it preserves and saves the lives of innocent people. But don't miss this. Don't miss, don't miss this. Rahab took a big risk for God, did she not? I mean, if discovered, those Jewish spies would have been slaughtered. And guess what? Rahab and her family would have been executed on the spot for conspiracy. She aided and abetted and harbored the enemy. But verse 6 says this actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax that she had laid out. In those days, the roof was kind of made out of straw, and so she, she hides them under the hay and risks her life to save theirs. She shows tremendous courage and bravery, and you have to ask, why? Why would a prostitute do that? And the answer is in verse 8. Look at your Bible. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know, she says, the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you what, completely 
destroyed. Translation, I know you is some bad boys. <laughs> I know what your God does, man. He, you have the God who splits the sea, who kicked Pharaoh's uh, tail, <laughs> who, who, who jacked up the crew living next door. I know what your God did. And then she says, no wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. But see, it wasn't just fear that made Rahab take this risk. I want you to read this verse slowly. It is beautiful. It is her confession of faith. Let's read this together out loud. Ready? For the Lord your God is what? The supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Why does Rahab risk her life for God? Because she recognized something that most people do not. That the God of the Bible is no ordinary God. He is the supreme God, amen? He is the all-powerful God, amen? He's the miracle-working God. He is the sin-forgiving God. He is a God who is powerful enough to rout foreign armies and yet tender enough to forgive and embrace a woman like Rahab and save her entire family. It's an amazing confession. This pagan prostitute is willing to risk everything to stand up for a God she barely knew. Rahab had a tough life, but she has a tender heart. It's a beautiful thing, and the reality is she not only saved God's people, but she saved her own family as well. Remember, Rahab was a streetwalker, so she had some street smarts, and in verse 12, she cuts a deal with the spies. She says, now, swear to me by the Lord, you will be kind to me in my family since I've helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you'll let me live along with my father and my mother, with my brothers, my sisters, and all their families. Translation, okay, Rahab, what do you want in return? She says, all I ask, take care of my peeps. <laughs> take care of my people. I want my family saved. What a request. Think about it. She knows that the Israelites are about to sweep and take over the whole land. And she says, what do I want in return? She doesn't ask for money. She doesn't ask for property. She doesn't ask for, for land. She has one request. I want my whole family saved. The greatest desire of my life is the salvation of my entire family. Is that amazing? I mean, what a heart. What a priority. I mean, moms or dads, could you say that? I was like, I was like wow, do I feel that way? What is the greatest goal in your life for your kids, for your family? You know, go to a great school and make a ton of money, find a... <laughs> just my bottom line is I want them all saved. My sons, my daughters, my brothers, my sisters. I want my whole family saved when the wrath of God comes down. It's interesting. Rahab uses this word. She says, swear to me by the Lord that you will be... What's this word here? Say it together. Kind. Circle it in your Bible. The word, the Hebrew word for this is chesed. You go ahead and spit on your neighbor. Chesed, okay? It is a pregnant with meaning word. It doesn't just mean kindness. It means a covenant, a pact, an agreement of loving kindness covering over wrongdoing. In essence, she says, I want one thing. God, I want your love to chesed, to cover me, to cover my mama, to cover my daddy, to cover my brothers, cover my sisters. I want you, God, to cover my whole family with your loving kindness like a big umbrella. Because when the wrath of God rains down, I want chesed, my whole family covered and rescued. Amen? Guys, this is, now this is the Old Testament covenant, okay? If you are a Christian today, you are covered by the new covenant of Jesus Christ. But Rahab 
takes a bold risk for God, and then she makes a bold request of God. And for that, she was rewarded. In verse 14, the spies reply, okay, we offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind, has said to you, when the Lord gives us the land. Now, this, here comes the connection. Get ready. We always look, what's the connection to Christ? Get ready. What does Rahab's red rope come from? Look at verse 15. Then, since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a what? By a rope through the window. <laughs> I'll just stop here. I am confident this was not the first time that Rahab had heard angry voices at the front door. Open up in there. And then she let a man out the back window, okay? This is not the first time. God can use even our pagan past for his redemptive purposes. But the Bible says Rahab hung a red rope out her window. Said, this is the lifeline, boys. Down this. And that's how the spies escaped. They were saved. But what about her family? Before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath we've taken only if you follow these instructions. Pay attention. Follow this exactly. When we come into the land, Rahab, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. I accept your terms, she replied. And she sent them on, the, on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. Guys, remember what I told you last week. Anytime you read a passage in the Old Testament, you have to look for the link to Jesus in the New. You have to find the connection to Christ because it's there in every passage, in every story. It all leads to Jesus. Do you see it? Because here it is. Guys, Rahab's rope is the red line that leads straight to your Savior, Jesus Christ. Rahab's rope is the scarlet string of salvation that history literally hangs on because her rope represents God's chesed, which for you is the blood of Jesus Christ, which covers your sins. Amen? When Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross as a substitute for you and me. The Bible says he took nails into his palms and feet. He took a spear in his side and he bled. <laughs> he bled red. And literally his blood covered our sins with chesed, the loving kindness shielding us from God's wrath. And this red rope, a symbol of salvation in the Old Testament, guys, threads its way all the way to the new. The Bible says to you that it is the blood of Jesus that delivers us from destruction. Amen? It's the blood of Jesus that secures salvation for our hearts, for our families, for our homes. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that can take a woman like Rahab, whose sins are as dark as scarlet, and wash him white as snow. Amen? That's the good news. As Ephesians 3 declares, once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near through what? The blood of Jesus Christ. This is the link leading to Jesus. The red rope of Rahab winding its way from her window all the way to the cross of Calvary. From Rahab to the spies to Jesus to you and me this Christmas. And I don't want you to ever forget this. I want to make this personal. So we got a little treat for you right now. Ushers, come on down. I want to make this personal. Some of you are like, oh, you're wearing like a little red bracelet. We're going to give you something so you remember why you're wearing red this Christmas. And it's not because I have holiday spirit. The red rope of Rahab is the blood of Jesus. So I want you to take one and pass it down. We're going to give you your own red rope. We have thousands of these cut red ribbons. I want you to take one. Go ahead, take one and pass it on down. And what you can do is you can take one and go ahead and tie it on the person next to you. Hopefully you're, you're married to them. 
But take their, you can take their wrist, all right? Husbands, tie it on your wife's wrist, or you could even put it on your, your coat or your vest. I did that kind of with my vest. I've been wearing this all week. And what I did is you just kind of like loop it like that, and you just thread it through, and you loop it out and pull it out like that. So go ahead and take one, pass it down, and everyone in your family, every man, woman, and child here today, and when you have it, go ahead and put it in there, because this is a representation, guys, of our, why we are saved at Christmas. Why do we celebrate? Because love came down, and Christ gave his life. He shed his blood to cover us with the hesed of God. Now, go ahead and tie it on uh, right now. I see some of you are kind of fumbling. How does this work? It's not that hard, people. Make a little, little knot there, okay? You're, you're probably your, uh, your white rope from, your right bracelet from freeway is probably all jacked up, right? It's like dingy, dirty if you still have it on. We're going to give you a new one for Christmas, all right? And I want you to see this because this December, every time you like zip your jacket up, you're going to be reminded. Every time you reach for a glass of eggnog, you're going to be reminded. You're going to see Rahab's ribbon to remind you guys that you don't have holiday spirit. You were bought with a price, Amen. You were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. You literally belong to God. You were saved by Christ and grafted into his family tree. And though your sins may be as scarlet, he will wash them white as snow. That is a promise from your God to you. If you're here today and you're like, man, I, didn't, I thought, you know, it would, I walk into church like, you know, lightning is going to fall down. It doesn't matter how dark your past is, amen? It doesn't matter how messed up your family may be. Because of Christ, God has adopted you into his family forever. And so this is a reminder, guys, that anybody, anybody, even a harlot like Rahab, who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's God's promise. And it's his red thread of redemption. So you wear it proudly this Christmas season. And let it remind you of some things. I wanted to remind you of three things, three simple truths that we learned from the life of Rahab here. Kind of an interesting story, right? But I want to show you how the Bible interprets the Bible. Because the reality is, Rahab is mentioned three other times in the New Testament, unlike any other woman in the Bible. The way you read the Old Testament is through the lens of the New. You are always asking, well, how does this connect to Jesus? What does this teach me about my faith in Christ in the 21st century? And a lot of times, if you notice in the Bible, you'll have like a cross-reference, so it's like a hyperlink to another scripture that supports that. So if you go in your Bible and you type the name Rahab in the Old Testament, you're going to see her mentioned three times in the New Testament, which is significant. Because each time she's mentioned, it teaches us something about faith in Christ. If you're taking notes, the first thing is that Rahab's rope reminds us that no one is beyond the reach of God. Amen? No one. There is nobody here who your past is too dark, who your mistakes are too messy, that God's grace can't cover, cleanse, and reclaim you for his own. Amen? It doesn't matter how jacked up your family history is. There's always hope. In fact, this is so cool. Do you know what the Hebrew word for this red ribbon is? It's called a tikva. Can you say that? Tikva. And if you look that up in a Hebrew dictionary, it means rope. And the second meaning is hope. Tikva literally means hope. Here's hope. If God can save a harlot like Rahab, he can reach anybody and graft them into his family tree. Do you know where Rahab's name first appears? In the New Testament, first page of the first book in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. I know we skip past it every Christmas. Most people are like, oh, get to the manger scene. But before you even get there, Matthew says, no, I want you to understand where Jesus came from. And he makes this list. It's called the genealogy. It's a list of the men and women leading up to the Messiah. And the vast majority of the names in the list are male. In fact, there's 42 granddaddies of Jesus named. But in verse 5 of Matthew 1, 
a woman's name pops off the page. And here it is. Look what it says. Salmon, that's the man, not the fish. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was who? Rahab. Now watch this. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. And Obed was the father of Jesse. We're getting warmer. Jesse was the father of who? King David. See, after Israel invaded Jericho, and you may know that story, the walls fell down and they took Canaan. A Jewish prince, his name was Salmon, he was a prince of Judah, came back. Guess who he married? Rahab. He made her an honest woman. And Salmon and Rahab had a son named Boaz, and, and he married this lady named Ruth, and they had Obed, and then he fathered this guy named Jesse, who has this guy named David, and your great ancestor, Rahab, became the great-grandmother of King David, the greatest king in the Old Testament. And she went from a woman of the night to a woman of royalty. Because her husband was a prince, the prostitute became a princess. You didn't see that one coming, did you? <laughs> Understand this. Rahab became the great-grandmother of your Savior, Jesus Christ, 28 times removed. So if you're a Christian, you understand something? <laughs> you're related. This, this is your family tree. If there's no Rahab, there's no Jesus. There is no Christmas. And Rahab shows us that God can take the most scandalous of sinners and graft them right into his family tree. Oh, yeah? I can work with that. That works for me. She's part of it. That's the power of God. Can I ask you something? Do you have a family member who's far from God? Maybe they're hostile to faith. They're like totally shut down. And you think about them right now and you say, her, no way. <laughs> no way, no how, not in a million years. Maybe it's a loved one who is hostile towards faith. Maybe it's your atheist brother who has all these arguments why God doesn't exist. Or it's your alcoholic uncle. Or it's a divorced dad. Or it's your prodigal teenager. And you're like, I don't know if he'll ever make his way back. Look at Rahab. Rahab has something to teach you. You got something to learn from a prostitute today. Rahab said, my only desire is that my family be what? Saved. And she says, don't you ever stop praying for your family. Don't you ever stop pleading the blood of Jesus over their life. You never give up because no one's beyond the reach of God. No one. Amen? So you think about your family tree right now. I want you to think about your relatives and your siblings and your loved ones who are far from God. And you say, man, no way, not him, not her, not in a million years. And God says, you think again. <laughs> Because I love to pick nobodies. I love to pick weak people and people with a past and people who have made mistakes and they're messed up. You know why God says, I love to wrap my life around them? Because when they get redeemed, ain't nobody gonna get the credit except me. <laughs> who's, gonna, who's gonna take credit for Rahab? God says, I'm gonna get maximum glory when I can weave a prostitute into my Messiah's family line. Scripture actually says, God chose the foolish things of the world the despised things, the lowly things, the weak things, to shame the wise so that none of us can boast before him. So this Christmas, you remember Rahab's concern for her family's salvation. I want my family saved. And is that your prayer this Christmas? Think about your family right now. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if he could ever, not him. Why not? If God could reach Rahab, he can reach anybody. So you invite them to Christmas Eve, all right? 
We've been giving you these Christmas cards to invite your family members and loved ones and friends. And guys, we're going to have an amazing service. We're going we're gonna to sing some Christmas carols. We're going to light candles. It's going to be like a warm family time. But I want you to know, I'm giving you a heads up. I'm going to present a very clear salvation message and give folks a chance to respond and actually receive Christ as their Savior. So you invite your family, you invite your loved ones, especially those who don't believe, because you never know what God will do. You never know who he's going to graft in and use for his purposes. You write out that card, you mail it to them, you give it to them and invite them to come, and then you pray for them. You pray for the salvation of your family members because Rahab says, no one. If I'm not beyond the reach of God, nobody is. That's the first reminder she gives us in the New Testament. The second thing here is that Rahab's rope reminds us that, notice, saving faith always, always results in action. You see this? See, ultimately, guys, Rahab, she's not remembered for being a prostitute. I know some of you are like a little uncomfortable, like, man, I don't, you're using all this, you know, whore and harlot and all of that. In the New Testament, she's not remembered for that. In the New Testament, Rahab is spotlighted for her bold faith. In fact, she made the Bible's hall of fame. You know, the Bible has a hall of fame in Hebrews chapter 11, actually. It's like the hall of faith. These are the list of like all stars, the mighty warriors and courageous heroes from the Old Testament. No surprise, most of them are male because it was a patriarchal culture. So if you go in Hebrews, you're going to see like, you know, Noah and Abraham and Joseph and Moses, all these, you know, brave leaders who God used at critical points in salvation history. But in the middle of this list, here's that name again. Look what it says. I want to read this out loud. Would you put it up on the screen? Here we go. Ready? By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Rahab is only one of two women mentioned in Hebrews' hall of faith. Pretty incredible, considering she had two strikes against her. She was a Gentile. She was not a Jew. And she was a woman. She was a prostitute. And she demonstrated her faith in God, faith through action. It says when she welcomed the spies, she was welcoming God, helping them to escape. And she demonstrated this bold faith in God, which made her this pretty unlikely hero in God's story of salvation. I mean, when you think about Rahab's life and how God kind of wove her into Christ's family line, you realize when you're grafted into God's family, he changes everything. He doesn't just change like your sins, your bad habits. He changes your identity. He gives you a new name. He gives you a, a new mission. What's our mission? What's our purpose? I want to end with this. Rahab's red rope reminds us that you and I are called to rescue Rahab's in this world. Guys, that rope is a lifeline. That reminds us that as Christians, our job is to be on the lookout for people who are perishing and in need of rescue. Like Rahab, whenever we put our faith into action, it's when we reach out to rescue and save those who are helpless. Look at what James says. This is the final verse in the New Testament about Rahab before she walks off into history. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Translation, if your faith in Christ is real, you will put it into action, and you will take bold risks for God, like Rahab did. Rahab saved two spies from certain death, and they hung out that red rope that now you've got on your jacket or shirt or your wrist, before Jericho was destroyed. 
You know, this week I was, I put this on my vest this week, and I'm walking around just kind of trying to get into the headspace of what Rahab's life was like. And this week I found myself wondering, like, who, who's like a modern-day Rahab, right? Like, 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 you know, I was like, in the 21st century, who, who are the Rahabs that God's calling us to rescue? And I thought of a little girl named Elsa. This is, this is Elsa. Elsa, not, not the, like, you know, Frozen movie, you know, Princess Elsa. This is Elsa in the real world. This is a 12-year-old girl in the Philippines, and she is not a prostitute. She's a victim of human trafficking. Through no fault of her own, she was actually abducted and forced into the sex industry there. And this Christmas, guys, as a church, we are going to do something to help Elsa and thousands of women and children around the world caught in the web of human trafficking. This December, as a church, we are privileged to partner with International Justice Mission, and we're going to join the fight to rescue the Rahabs of the world. I want to close. Yeah, we're going to, I can't wait for you to see this. This is like the big surprise. I want to close by sharing with you Elsa's dramatic story of rescue and then tell you what we're going to do as a church. Check this out. po nung bata pa ako is napakasaya po kasi po marami pong um, adventures kasama po yung kuya ko, kapatid ko, mga kaibigan. Kahit po mahirap lang kami pero masaya po yung, yung panahon na yun. Yung, yung pinakamalaking pagsubok po sa amin nung dumating po yung panahon na nagkasakit po si Papa Ako po ay labing dalawang taon na ano, nawala po si Papa. Gusto ko pong um, makapag-ipon para po mapaaral ko yung kapatid ko. Dalawang po't dalawang taon na nung nag-apply po ako sa bar. Yung manager is namimilit po na sumayaw, lumapit po sa customer, tas iinom po. Pagkatapos po, yung iba po minsan, Didiretso po sa hotel, gagawin po yung kung ano yung gusto na ipagawa ng customer. Ako po ay trinato bilang isang halipin lang. Ayun nga po, na, nakakalungkot po, na nakakatakot, na nakakahiya. Kapatid ko po, yung mga ginagawa ko po, ayoko po na matulad siya sa akin. Marami po siyang naranasan. Kaya iniisip ko po palagi yung kapatid ko na para sa kanya yon para makagraduate siya, para hindi niya maranasan yung mga nararanasan ko. Nakaalis po ako doon sa pamamagitan po ng mga polis po. May mga dala pong, may mga kasama pong social worker. Nirescue po nila kami at dinala po nila kami sa isang safe na lugar. Parami pong naitulong ang IJM sa akin. Tinulungan din po nila akong magha- ma- mahanapan po ng isang ligtas na lugar kung saan po magiging, magiging masaya, makakapag-move forward po. 
at magkaroon po ng bagong pag-asa, bagong buhay, makapag-aral. Ang pinag-aaralan ko po ngayon ay business ad. Pangarap ko po na pag nakatapos na po ako ng pag-aaral, magtatrabaho po ako, pag-iipon. Nang sa gayon po sa mga hinaharap ay makakamtan ko po yung, yung pangarap ko po na makapagpatayo po ng isang paggawaan po ng ice cream na yun po yung uh, iniwan po ng papa namin para po sa amin. Sa pamamagitan po nun, maalala po namin si papa at maninirahan po siya sa puso namin among buhay po. Ang sumisimbolo po sa sa buhay ko ay isa pong ibon sapagkat hindi po ako yung palagi pong nasa kulungan nasa isang isang lugar nasa isang isang tabi lamang po palagi nagpapasalamat po ako sa mga tumulong sa akin dahil pinigyan po ako ulit ng, ng bagong pag-asa po upang mamuhay po ng normal That amazing story Like Rahab, Elsa was a victim of human trafficking caught in sexual slavery in Southeast Asia, but thanks to the good work of our friends at International Justice Mission, her life was rescued and it was redeemed and restored. This is my friend, Pastor Richard Lee, who was a campus pastor at Liquid and now serves as a director of church mobilization at IGM. Would you welcome Richard back? Great to have you back, my friend. Grateful for you being here. We're excited uh, to partner with IJM this Christmas, really in this global war against human trafficking. For those who might not be familiar with it, just explain it briefly to us. Yeah, you know, you can think of sex trafficking as a form of modern-day slavery. Um, and it's actually a, a really huge problem in the world. There are estimates that there are 4.5 million uh, sex slaves in the world today. Um, and it's actually a uh, almost $100 billion annually uh, profits. Um, and so it's not just a massive problem, but it's also a lucrative problem. That's mind-boggling. Like when I heard that, I was like, that can't be right. Like slavery still exists in our world, but it does. Yeah. I mean, slavery is so big today. It's in fact, there are more slaves today than at any, any other time in history. And the reason why that is, is when you have people in power next to people in poverty, it's a recipe for uh, exploitation and abuse. And uh, in fact, it just really, uh, it, it, It forces people into slavery. IJM does incredible work, not only kind of breaking down the doors of the brothels and rescuing victims of human trafficking, but restoring them. Tell us how you guys do that. Yeah, so what our model is, is really wanting to partner with the local authorities. So we're investigators that partner with the police to uh, rescue the victims. And then we have aftercare specialists that will uh, partner with the social services in the government to be able to provide restoration for the survivors. And then we're lawyers that partner with the prosecutors in order to restrain the criminals. And as we rescue and restore and restrain, we end up partnering on all levels of the government to repair the justice system. It's amazing vision. It's a world without slavery. And like uh, Liquid IJM is a nonprofit Christian organization, you guys take your mission straight out of scripture. I mean, yeah, I mean, exactly. When, when you read the scriptures, when you read Micah 6.8, which says to act justly, or you read Isaiah 58, you see God's clear call for justice in the individual life, but also the call to the church to say, you will be the ones that will bring freedom to the world. 
Well, we're privileged to support IJM again this Christmas. Last December was the first time we actually made a financial gift as a church to the work of International Justice Mission, and we were just thrilled with their results. In fact, we were blown away by how effective IJM's ministry has been, particularly in the Philippines, where we're going to be investing this year. Tell us about the results. Yeah, so in the Philippines, in just four short years of our work in the Philippines, we saw amazing success. We actually saw a reduction in in young boys and young girls by 75% in the sex trafficking industry. That is awesome. That is absolutely incredible. And... And, you know, what that means is that we saw in the Philippines and Cambodia over 1,700 young boys and young girls rescued from the uh, sex trafficking industry. And even maybe even more significant is uh, over 640 convictions of traffickers. And so that is a way to be able to say that the model is working. In fact, uh, our model, I think, is so compelling that we are actually now today the world's largest anti-slavery organization. That is awesome. Praise God. We are privileged to partner with IJM this Christmas. Tell us how we can help. Well, I mean, that's the thing. You guys are already helping. Uh, When my wife, Teresa, and I, when we attend our Liquid Church in Union County, and when we give our end-of-the-year offering, we know that it's it's not only just benefiting this wonderful church, but we're also benefiting wonderful ministries like IJM. And so I'm just here to thank all of you because as you guys give directly to Liquid, uh, please know that you're partnering also with IJM in being part of the, the narrative of being the generation that ends slavery in the world forever. Awesome. Amen. We're in this together. We are just so grateful for your leadership, Richard. And, uh, you know, seeing modern day Rahabs literally rescued and restored in Jesus' name. So we're going to receive our offering in just a moment. And remember, guys, as you give, we have a big goal this year. As a church, we are donating more than $800,000 outside of our church walls uh, to ministries like the Relief Bus, like International Justice Mission, who are on the front lines of the global movement to end human trafficking. So your weekly offerings, your year-end gift by December 31st, allow us to be a generous church. Um, this December, we're going to be investing heavily in the Philippines to help rescue children like Elsa in 2017 because the Philippines is a hot spot for cyber sex trafficking. English is spoken there. The Internet is readily available. So as a church, we're going to be able to provide a gift that will not only rescue Rahabs in the new year, but also provide for aftercare. Um, like medical care and counseling and education because it's a really a holistic process. So in a moment, we're going to uh, receive today's offering, and you will have a chance to contribute. Just a reminder, uh, in your program every December, we put an envelope that looks like this. It's got a Christmas tree on the front there, and you can use that to give. Or you can just give online at liquidchurch.com. If you're moved by the story of you know Rahab and Elsa, this is a way to put faith in action and really make an impact globally. Um, You guys know, our goal as a church, we want to make our budget by December 31st. So we finished the year strong and we're in a position to give generously to IJM and other great ministries. So your gift before the end of the year, super appreciated and grateful for your timeliness. So ushers, let me invite you forward to receive today's offering at all of our campuses. The ushers are going to come forward with the popcorn buckets and you can just drop your envelope or offering or tithe in there at every campus. And uh, as they come forward, if you guys can just wait there, um, Pastor Richard, can I ask you to pray for us? Sure, absolutely. Let's all pray. 
God, we're just thankful for uh, giving us this time and this space to be able to hear from you through Pastor Tim and just the message of hope, the message of redemption, God. And we have been redeemed through Christ, God. We are now called to be redeemers to people like Rahab and people like Elsa in our world. So, God, would you take this gift that we give to you, Lord? Would you receive it and would you multiply it to bring freedom and justice throughout the world to people that we will never meet but God, through the wonderful people throughout the world in these different organizations that are doing the work for us and for the body of Christ that represent you to those people, God, would you multiply it and bring justice and freedom? We're thankful, Lord God, for this wonderful time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Guys, this December, you're going to be wearing red. You're going to be at Christmas parties. And when you see those red ribbons, when you see that on your wrist, let it remind you, you have been rescued and redeemed by Jesus Christ. Amen? No one is beyond the reach of God, and we are called to rescue the Rahabs of this world, and that's what we're going to do this Christmas. So thank you for your faith. Thank you for giving generously. Ushers, you can go ahead and receive today's offering. Pass the popcorn buckets at each campus. And I'm going to ask you to just remain seated for our closing worship song.